The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It all comes back to building self-trust and becoming an expert of your body and knowing what works for you. And that comes with learning and understanding and getting that information from a place of empowerment to help you say, okay, this is not about the weight. This is really about nourishing myself and my child and feeling my best. And usually when you're feeling your best, you're probably eating in a way that best serves you because your body wants to feel good and be taken care of. And it's going to tell you very clearly when you are. And so just pair that with your intuition. Take those recommendations, the nutritional recommendations. They definitely help. And remember that your body is a partner in that journey. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to this delayed episode 35 of the Happy Birthway Podcast with the launch of Yolanda Community. It's just been quite busy, and I'm sorry that I missed last week. I'm happy to be here this week to offer you this amazing episode, which is part three of the Health at Every Size series. So this week... I am having on Rachel Goodman, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she is someone who had quite the tumultuous relationship with food herself. She was struggling with binge eating, and she turned around this challenge that she had in order to help other people who are struggling with unhealthy relationships with foods of any sort and to teach them all about intuitive eating. So in the last two episodes, we talked about how people of every size can attain health. We also talked about how diets are harmful. And that may have left some of you thinking, so if diets are harmful, then how do I be healthy nutritionally? And so this episode, I bring you Rachel Goodman, who's going to give you practical steps and information on how you can do that, and namely how you can do that during pregnancy, because during pregnancy, you're going to be receiving a lot of nutritional advice. There are new nutritional considerations. You may have a condition that may require extra nutritional attention, and sometimes that can mess with your brain, especially if you are someone who has dieted um, in the past or currently, and Rachel really does an incredible job synthesizing traditional prenatal nutritional advice 
with the intuitive eating model. So I can't wait for you to hear this amazing, incredible interview. Before we start the interview, I just wanted to give you an update on Yolanda community. We are now 70 members strong, and we had our first Q&A session slash meet and greet last week. It was absolutely incredible. It went way over time, almost two hours. About 20 of you joined. It was just so lovely to have the experience of getting to know um, some of the members on a more intimate level. There were quite a few first-time moms, and um, some of them were due all around the same time, just about now. So it was great that they were able to connect. And then we had a few repeat moms, um, one or two of them who I can think of who had some birth trauma, and we discussed the pitfalls of their experiences and what not just they but everyone can do in order to make it a more enjoyable experience the next time. We also had some birth professionals, and they were able to provide a lot of great insight. They were also able to speak um, practical information regarding the locations that they work at and how to navigate certain hospital systems, etc. So if you are a Yoleda community member, then you would have received a link to the recorded session that you will have for seven days. And I cannot wait until our next session, which will be next week. Now, if you're kind of regretting that you didn't take advantage of the 90-day free trial I was offering until January 31st, you can still take advantage of a 30-day free trial that I'm currently offering offering on my website, youledditacademy.com. So go ahead, check it out. On the top right corner, you will see a link for Yoledit community. And you don't have much to lose, so check it out. Join in on the next Q&A session, and I really cannot wait to meet some more of you. Of course, I cannot end an introduction without asking you please to rate and review the podcast, to subscribe to the podcast, and also please share the podcast. I haven't asked for you to do that for a while, but please just tell one person who you think might love hearing what we have to say here, and who knows, you may change their life. You never know. Maybe they'll hear something here that will just be life-altering for the rest of their lives. And I also wanted to open up the floor to all of you listeners to email me, please. Khani at YoledditAcademy.com. That's C-H-A-N-I-E at YoledditAcademy.com to please submit any requests for topics that you want to hear about. And either I will try to get an expert on that topic or if I feel like I can speak on that topic from my own knowledge and experience, then I will be so happy to. But I wanna know what you want to hear. So please email me and let me know. And I hope that I can continue to offer you great, valuable content. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. I am so excited to introduce to you Rachel Goodman. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist, entrepreneur, public speaker, and mom of three who understands the challenges of juggling life, work, and taking care of yourself. She is passionate about helping women stop being at war with food and their bodies and helping them cultivate a healthy relationship with food, as well as fostering a positive body image through the lens of self-care and compassion so they can show up fully for their life and live at their highest potential. 
Rachel helps women rid themselves of food rules, guilt, and binge eating, and heal their relationship with food through coaching, public speaking, her online courses, and Instagram platform, where you can follow her at dietitian.rachelgoodman. She is also the host of the More Than What You Eat podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you struggle with binge eating or food chaos, you can download her free guide, Three Steps to Stop Feeling Out of Control with Food here. And I'm going to put that link in the episode show notes just because it's, you know, it's got a lot of letters, words, and numbers, and I think it'll be easier for people to access it straight through the show notes. And um, Rachel, I found you through Instagram. You have an enormous following testimony to the amazing work that you do. And I am very much in alignment with the school of thought of health at every size, intuitive eating, and breaking the patterns of so much disordered eating that unfortunately, many nutritionists are still perpetuating. So thank you for being out there and for starting to change the landscape around nutrition. So with that said, we are going to specifically address problems that come up during the perinatal stage, during pregnancy, um, and during the postpartum period. So with that, I give the floor to you. Hi, thank you so much. That was such a sweet welcome. I appreciate that. And I'm excited to be here and yeah, talk about this time in your life, which is so unnecessarily, I I often find it so unnecessarily stressed about like what you're eating, how you're eating. And then also like a lot of disordered eating comes up with pregnancy in like how you eat. And it just can feel like very chaotic, especially if you're also dealing with a lot of things going on in your body, like hormonally. Um, And that could like, make you not feel yourself. And so it could just feel so like you really don't need another thing on your plate, no pun intended with like, you know, stressing out about nutrition. It's it's not like it shouldn't be such rocket science or you know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm excited to deep dive and really like simplify and calm some moms who are um, pregnant or like postpartum um, in this area. That's awesome. Yes. And I also want to add Besides for the emphasis on, you know, all of the the stuff that you said, um, unfortunately, I think doctors and the medical community um, very highly emphasize the weight issue as well. And I think they go way overboard and give it way too much weight. No pun intended. (laughs) They emphasize it way more than it really needs to be, even just through the medical research that we have. And yes, for myself, just from personal experience, I had never struggled with an unhealthy relationship with food or with body image before I got pregnant for the first time. And then Mm -hmm. that really sent me down that spiral of the yo-yo dieting, the getting back into my body after pregnancy. I'm someone who, no matter, you know, genetically, I was made to gain a lot of weight during pregnancy. Even the one child that I had that I was like, crazy watching what I ate and exercising like crazy. I gained, that's the only child that I gained, you know, within the average amount. And I had to go crazy with that. So I I totally also get that point of like, you know, that little narrow recommended amount of weight to gain is just way too broad. Which has changed, by the way, like that. I don't know if it's like people are still stuck in the old recommendation, but that actually that range has gotten wider. That's really nice and hopeful to know. So like what what can you tell us about 
all of these um, topics you brought up in terms of just nutrition in general and the hormones that fluctuate and that may change appetites and how you're feeling. So do you want to talk first about like the, the emphasis on weight and the stresses of that or because you mentioned that first um, or getting straight into like the stresses of nutrition and that aspect of things? I think the the nutrition piece, just because um, I actually recently did an interview with Rachel Tuckman and we mm-hmm. address more like the body image changes and the weight, you know, mental mental wise Um you know, so I think the nutrition piece, well, that's really your expertise. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, here's the thing about nutrition during pregnancy is that, yes, it changes from your baseline before pregnancy, but it doesn't like change drastically. And what you really want to focus on is variety of foods because you do have an increased needs of micronutrients and macronutrients. So micronutrients is you're developing like a human being and you're going to need a lot of like, you know, nutrients to the micronutrients, the vitamins and the minerals, especially honing in on um, folate, iron, calcium, those like three are like really big ones. But overall, now the thing is, it's so easy to say, like, okay, well, then what should I eat? And how much should I eat of it? And how, how much micrograms should I have? And how many grams? And we get so caught up in that, that it starts to stress you out when really, if you're eating a variety of foods, like if you're having some nut butter and nuts and and whole grains and leafy greens and vegetables and fruit and chicken, and really just from all food groups, you're going to get the nutrients you need. Um, and with, with the first trimester, you really up in your needs of like micronutrients, but in terms of macronutrients, which is like the carbs, fat, and protein, um, you don't really have increased needs. You could just eat like as you usually do. And I just, I just want to also say that sometimes eating habits, especially in the first trimester change, because you're a lot of times not feeling well with nausea and like I, I eat chicken. Okay when I'm not pregnant, but during pregnancy, I couldn't tolerate it. So there's like a big one for people. Yeah. So I think people like might feel guilty that they're eating many more carbs, or there's also that challenge of finding other sources of protein, for example. Right, right. So the thing with that, this is kind of the next thing that I want to get to. So there's like the recommendations, the nice guidelines, you have a you do have an increase specifically in macronutrients, you do have an increase in protein, because again, you're developing a human body with like bones and muscle and that, like, that requires a lot of protein. So you do have a bump bump in the protein that you need. And so ideally, you know, you'd have all these recommendations to follow and like you'd increase your protein. Um, and you'd have more like fruit and vegetable and like whole grain and like, you know, all these things that sound so nice. Except that, especially in the first trimester, so many women experience nausea or like mood swings, just like not feeling themselves. And then they're, like you said, carbs can help like with the nausea. So they're like having crackers or they're having Pringles or they're having like just a lot of carb heavy stuff. And then they start to freak out and worry like, oh, what's gonna happen with my baby? You know, so first of all, one, you're already like feeling miserable if that's, you know, not everyone feels miserable, but most don't feel that great in the first trimester. And so you really don't need another dose of like bashing yourself. Like just be kind to yourself. You're going to figure it out. Breathe. Um, know that definitely if you're not eating a variety of foods and it's hard for you to do that, then take like definitely prenatal is important. And the prenatal, um, making sure it's like a good one and checking either with a doctor or dietitian, um, that's going to meet the micronutrient needs. Because remember, it's micronutrients. It's not like it's like 
crazy amount. And the prenatal is kind of going to be like your backup guide. And also remembering that worst case scenario as well, the body's prioritizing the fetus now. So while this is not ideal, you're like, your child is likely like safe unless you're really like not eating and you have like, you know, um, what's that term again? Hyper hyperemesis gravidarium or otherwise known as HG. Yes, exactly. So that's already like really concerning. Right. But like if you're eating, um, and it's just like not variety, then your body prioritizes the baby, which means that it's going to take from your system and give that to the baby. So that just might mean if like, if you're not eating enough calcium, you're going to take the hit, not your baby. Like the body's going to prioritize taking calcium from your system and giving it to your baby. So obviously that's not ideal. We want to definitely prioritize your health, but if you're concerned about your baby, like your, your body's prioritizing what's good for the baby, as long as like you are eating enough. Um, and taking that prenatal vitamin. Um, and then people talk a lot about like folate, um, folic acid, which is important for like the development development of like the spinal cord and the brain. Really, that's really essential in the first 28 days. So that's something that you want to be focused on before you even get pregnant. So a lot of people are like, oh, when I'm pregnant, okay. But no, like if you're already thinking you want to get pregnant, start being mindful of that. And you also have so many food sources. So, um, you know, leafy greens, nuts, but right now, like, um, what happened was women were having more like spina bifida and like those neural tube issues. And, um, the government has, if you notice on like bread, whole grain cereals, um, they fortify those things. And that's why there's less of that because if you're eating whole grains and that's why eating a variety of foods is so important, even before you get pregnant and having a healthy relationship with food is important before you get pregnant, because if your body is nutritionally sound and feeling good and getting variety before you're pregnant, you're already in an optimal place that even if you're not eating so well in that first trimester because of nausea, your body is in a healthy place to do its best to give, you know, to your growing child. Yeah. And, and back to the folate slash folic acid discussion, I want to emphasize what you said. The neural tube develops in the first 28 days um, or so. And often people don't know the first few weeks that they're pregnant. And yeah. so you shouldn't start taking the folic acid after you're pregnant, really. And again, if somebody found out that they're pregnant without taking it. Don't freak out. Like Rachel said, um, many foods are fortified with folic acid as it is. But for those of you who are in the stage where you might get pregnant, then please, please take the folic acid supplement before you, you know, find out that you're pregnant when you're trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of like the first trimester and really in any trimester, there's like all these like recommendations and they're great. And if you can follow them and really be able to, you know, incorporate it, that's fantastic. But if you just physically are throwing up, feeling nauseous, cannot stomach chicken, then, you know, it's really saying, okay, what can I do with this? What do I actually need? What can I control? And doing your best while knowing that for most women, they're, you know, most women experience nausea and many, many women still birth healthy children um, with that. And so, yes, there's aiming for that ideal, but knowing that doing your best is good enough as well, especially if you're taking that prenatal vitamin, you're getting the micronutrients and really just eating, uh, aiming to eat enough. So in the first trimester, again, your, your energy needs 
um, have not really like increased. You could basically eat the same amount that you were eating before. Sometimes women will eat more because again, they'll eat a lot of carbs for the nausea. And so, you know, if that, if that's what you need to like, not, not be nauseous and function, um, then that's what you need. But I do find this is kind of where we want to talk a little bit about this ordered eating is that a lot of women, when they get pregnant, it's suddenly like, oh, well, I'm pregnant. So I can like eat whatever I want. And like, I, I'm eating for two. And that really often comes from, <laughs> you're like raising your hand. That though often comes from, you know, if you started off with not the greatest relationship with food. And now it's like society does kind of give that temporary permission for pregnant women to be like, oh yeah, you're pregnant. Like, it's fine. You, you could, you could have a stomach, you could gain weight. Like you get a pass from society kind of thing. And you're probably giving yourself a pass too, especially if you've had a really unhealthy relationship with food before and you've been keeping yourself in check. And now it's like, oh, well now I'm pregnant and I have this free pass. And then you start to feel chaotic. You start to overeat and you're not really feeling good, but you you're like, this is my opportunity. And then women end up feeling like not good. And when it comes to weight gain, we shouldn't focus on like weight gain but sometimes we have that's why behaviors are more important than weight gain because there's genetics that impact weight and weight gain during pregnancy you know some people retain a lot of fluids you know but if someone is putting on an excessive amount of weight because of their behaviors then we shouldn't hype up on like the weight like if they're going to the doctor's office and they're just saying oh your weight your weight your weight you're not helping them you're just making them feel worse and you're not getting to the core issue which is like maybe this person is overeating constantly or binge eating and there's a reason for that especially if they have a disordered relationship with food and now they're like in this mindset of i could eat for two even though that's not true like in the first trimester you really could just be eating as usual just with an emphasis more on like variety and protein which again if you can't do then have that have that prenatal and do your best um so that's something to pay attention to um, especially in like the first trimester. That's very interesting because I think this is where the purge binge um, pattern comes in, specifically in pregnancy. I mean, people with disordered eating a lot of times, the the diets that they deprive themselves and then suddenly they go overboard to that, that binging um, place. So I, I can see where that can manifest itself here in pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when people say like, what well, can I eat intuitively when I'm pregnant? Of course, of course. I actually, it's funny because I have a full podcast episode on my podcast on like eating intuitively while pregnant, uh, which I'll give you the link if you want to link it in the in the notes for anyone who wants to like deep dive a little more. Um, it does look, it could look different during pregnancy because your hunger fullness cues might be a little wonky because of the hormones, because of the nausea, because of like mood swings. There's so many factors that can play into it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's no matter how you're feeling, binge eating is never going to feel good. And if you're like out of control with food because you're giving yourself this pass to eat, take a pause, breathe and say, okay, like this is not about the pregnancy. The pregnancy is bringing awareness to a bigger issue that I have with food. Let me just take a moment to think, hey, what was my relationship before I got pregnant? What do I think my relationship is going to be after um, pre like once I have this baby? And it's not like you don't have to wait till you're having the baby to like heal your relationship with food and kind of say like, oh, I can't deal with it. Like you can really start building those skills and healing during pregnancy. It starts with being aware of, Hey, is this really, I'm um, like overeating because like maybe I'm nauseous and I need like carbs to stomach myself, you know, help. Um, or am I just kind of like eating all these foods mindlessly because now I feel I have this free pass to eat like, well then 
What makes you feel like you can't eat it when you're not pregnant? That's a, that's a signal. That's a warning sign. That's like a red flag to think about. Like if I'm eating chocolate when I'm pregnant and I'm thinking I have to eat as much chocolate and take advantage right now. Well, like who says you can't have chocolate when you're not pregnant? And like, that's what leads to chaos with food and unhealthy relationship with food. And I do find a lot of women, you know, they'll gain weight during pregnancy, but they, they might really gain a significant amount of weight as a result of disordered eating. And it's the disordered, and then they feel so like upset about the weight gain after and like regretting what they ate. And it's not the weight you want to focus on. It's like, the disordered eating that we want to address. And you could address it at any time during pregnancy that you start to notice this and really start to get in tune with your body, which the second trimester is kind of like a good segue to the second trimester. The second trimester is when your your cues start to feel a little bit more regulated and like back to normal because the nausea is like going away, you're picking up energy, and your baby's not like that big to be pressing on your stomach. So like your cues in the second trimester are probably like similar to what they were before, unless you're someone who ha- is a chronic yo-yo dieter, and you're not in tune with your hunger fullness signals at all, which in, in that case, I would say, like, probably working with a professional and helping you figure that out, especially during pregnancy. Um, but yeah, the second trimester, you know, like they call it the golden trimester, you're finally feeling good, you have more energy. Um, So calories are a measure of energy and um, food is more than just energy. It's pleasure, it's joy and all that. But the context of this conversation, food does give you energy. And so how that calorie meter works in your body or energy meter works in your body so you don't have to really count calories is that when you're hungry, that means your blood sugar is low. There's a reason you're feeling hunger. It's because you're low on energy. Your body's really smart. It's like designed to survive. And so low blood sugar, which is like your body's main way to get energy, um, which converts it to energy is a signal to your body. Like, Hey, we're low on energy. Just like in a car, you get a ding when the gas meter is low. It's the same thing. Um, obviously in a much more complex, sophisticated way in your body than it is a car. Um, but you start to get a, your brain gets a signal like, Oh, the circulating blood has low energy in it, um, that the blood sugar is low, we need to get her to eat more energy so we can actually live. And so you'll start to get different hunger signals, whether it's low energy, whether it's a grumbling stomach, um, you'll get moody, you'll start to think about food, there's different ways to feel hunger, it's not just in your stomach, especially for someone who has uh, uh, been disconnected from their body and has an unhealthy disordered relationship with food, they might not feel their growling stomach immediately if they've been so disconnected. So recognizing there's more than one way to feel hunger especially if like you start to eat the food and it tastes really good that heightened like you know when you like you are starving so even bread tastes incredible you're like oh this bread is heaven and it's like just bread uh, well actually that's not true sometimes bread is like really really amazing um but anyway food there's like a heightened reward response to food and a heightened like pleasure when you're hungry as a way to motivate you to go eat and so as you're eating and you increase in the energy your 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 the circulating blood starts to increase in that blood sugar your your stomach starts to distend. And so it sends the signal to your brain like, oh, we have enough energy. And so with time, you'll notice you'll get signals that will like if you're listening, will start to demotivate you from eating like the food might not be as tasty as in the beginning, like your stomach will be distended, 
you'll just be at this place when you're listening, like, oh, I'm full. I'm good. I can stop now. And so you've gotten the energy that you needed, just like in a car when you're full, like the gas kind of stops and it's like, okay, you're done. And it's like clear you're done. So when you have a healthy relationship with food in your body, you can clearly see those signals. And again, it's a little tricky with pregnancy, but for the most part, you know, especially after the nausea uh, stage and second and third trimester, you can clearly identify that more. Um, so you're able to, to stop and, your body basically is brilliantly telling you how much energy you need, especially if you're eating a variety of foods. You know, it might be different if like you're having like just processed foods all the time. But again, if you're eating intuitively processed foods, like you don't need me to tell you what processed foods are, how it's going to impact your body. Like you're physically just not going to feel good. It's not like we make it as if it's rocket science, but really your body's so smart. If you just listen to it, you're not going to feel good eating processed foods all day. And so when you're eating a variety of foods, variety of whole foods, and yes, some fun foods as well, um, for the most part, your body is able to identify when it's hungry, when it's full and do the calculating of the calories for you. So really it's like, it's an unnecessary stress for you to be micromanaging that, especially when it's leading you away from what your body wants, especially if you're like using it to under eat, which you don't want to do during pregnancy and then end up being hungry. So that's kind of the, the bit on calorie counting. You really don't need to do that. And just like focus on, I want to feel good. My body's smart. And it's not going to lead me astray when I'm in alignment with that. And if you're not in alignment, again, seeking help to heal your relationship with food, because it's probably a signal that that's what's going on. And you want to focus on that instead of weight, because focusing on the weight is not going to actually address the underlying history that's going on with your relationship with food, which is what you want to fix at its core, which may or may not impact your weight. Um, but it's most definitely going to help you be at the healthiest weight for you. I love it. And we touched on the nausea, but there are other conditions during pregnancy that may require you to tap in a little bit more um, in depth into nutrition, such as gestational diabetes or, um, you know, people have like intestinal, gastrointestinal issues like constipation or heartburn. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you can, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an important one. I think a lot of women um, stress about getting gestational diabetes, even when, even when they haven't gotten gestational, gestational diabetes. So the first thing is looking at family history, like cross the bridge when you get there. Like a lot of people will like, oh, if I, if I get this and if I get that, especially if they're in a larger body, they're assuming they're going to get all these issues just because we've had that stigma. But in reality, like so much of it is more so family history than your weight. So if you have a family history of gestational diabetes, then by all means, kind of like educate yourself on that, learn more about that. Um, if not, then kind of come back to like, okay, I'm going to eat to feel good. And if that's something a, a bridge to cross, then I will, but most likely you won't. So now if you, let's say, have gestational diabetes, first of all, you still want to eat in alignment with your body in terms of hunger and fullness and feeling good. And that in and of itself is going to help your blood sugar regulation. Because if you go too long without eating your blood sugar, gets like really low and right when you're super hungry, the hungrier you are, think about it this way, the hungrier you are, the lower your blood sugar. And with diabetes, you really want to have balanced blood sugar. So what happens is the hungrier you are, the lower your blood sugar is. And then also the hungrier you are, the more likely you are to then overeat as a, as a defense mechanism from your body. Like, oh my God, we didn't eat for so long. Also, you're a lot more likely to eat refined foods because the body's like, we haven't eaten for so long. We need to get food energy into our system quick. And the more refined the food is, the faster it's going to get into your system. So the body is like wickedly smart. And so the more you go past hunger and get overly hungry, hungry, the more likely you are to overeat and also eat foods that are, you know, not going to make you feel the greatest. And then you're going to have a spike in your blood sugar. 
So first and foremost, when it comes to diabetes, either gestational or even even not, hunger fullness is really going to help you um, have more like a wave. We want like a gentle wave of blood sugar if you want to visualize it versus like spikes up and down. And so baseline is making sure you're eating consistently, you're eating enough so that you don't get to a place where you're like overeating or binge eating, which is not good for your blood sugar. The next thing you want to focus on with gestational diabetes is not stressing out about I have to cut out carbs now. I can't have carbs. And that's just going to make you obsess about carbs. It's it's not good for your um, stress levels. And you also could enjoy carbs. It's understanding carbs. So the difference between dieting and in the context that I'm saying it is like really focusing on like weight or dieting in the sense of like moralizing food and intuitive eating is that they both talk about nutrition. Intuitive eating cares about nutrition and cares about your health. The difference is, is that it's not moralized. It comes from an empowering place and a self-care place and understanding versus dieting is like you're good versus you're bad. And and it's very stressful. It's like self-deprecation versus self-love and honoring yourself. Yeah. And it's like, it's super stressful. It's not about your body at all. Well, it is about your body in terms of like your blood sugar, but it's not about listening to your body or, um, you know, uh, having that bridge between gentle nutrition and honoring your body. Because um, when you're eating intuitively, when it comes to health and nutrition, we have like external aspects of nutrition, like the recommended guidelines. And then we have our internal compass of what feels good to us. And we don't want to ignore either one. We kind of want to have them work in harmony where with dieting, it completely like disregards what your body feels or what you think and gives you this rigid plan, which can feel out of alignment and actually lead you to even to, to binge eating carbs or to feeling out of control with food and leading you to the opposite of what you want for your blood sugars. So when it comes to eating intuitively and gentle nutrition, first of all, it's uh, start with understanding diabetes, blood sugar regulation, and how carbs impact that. How do carbs definitely do impact your blood sugar level? But it's also knowing that how you're eating it, you're not having like, you know, if you're binge eating on carbs, yeah, it's going to increase your blood sugar, even if you're having something super, super sweet. But knowing that, hey, when I pair it with protein, it slows the absorption of the glucose and it's perfectly fine. So a lot of times it's it's learning how to eat the carbohydrates and being more aware of like, hey, what protein and what protein do I like or can tolerate right now in this pregnancy? Um to enjoy with this carb and making choices that are coming from self-care and empowerment. And sometimes it's also, you know, depending on like where you're at in your, in your journey. And I definitely recommend working with a dietitian on this in seeing the blood sugar values, like starting to test the blood sugars. And instead of assuming it's like, Oh my God, so horrible. Like let's see the information black and white so we can learn, we can learn what needs to be improved. And again, the number the blood sugar value is not a moral compass of, of you. Again, don't turn the numbers into the scale. The number is information and saying, okay, we're going to first work on eating consistently. We're going to then work on adding protein. And this is what I do with my clients. Like first, let's stop the chaos. Let's get consistent before we even check blood sugars. Like let's get you eating when you're hungry. Stop like being able to stop when you're full um, or for the most part, being intentional on adding protein, right? We're, we're not yet focused on like, let's cut this out. Let's cut that out. Cause but immediately if you're adding protein and you're adding vegetables by default, you're just going to have less space for the carb, but we're not going into it saying let's cut out carbohydrates. It's like, no, let's add protein and let's add fat and let's add vegetables. And the ratio will by default shift and you'll still be able to enjoy all foods. And then at this place, we then start to check our blood sugars 
and see the facts. Like, is this really like you're so stressed about this food? Maybe that food is not even spiking your blood sugar. Maybe it's something completely different that you did not assume. And once we see those blood sugars and those patterns, we can really hone in on, okay, these sugars at this time of day works like this is great be consistent with that but how come like a client will come and say like well my evening sugars are like high or like this sugar was high and so rather than like freaking out like so bad i have to cut out carbs and like going extreme we go and we deep dive and say hey it was high what happened what happened if you overeat and had like you know three slices of cake how come you know, were you eating emotionally? Were you depriving yourself for a while? Rather than giving these rules of like, okay, well then no cake for a week. You need to understand yourself in order to change behaviors. And so that applies to gestational diabetes as well. You absolutely can eat intuitively while also making respect, like like respecting your body and honoring your body and saying like, hey, actually I've had some, you know, chocolate yesterday. My blood sugar was kind of high yesterday. I really want to honor what my body needs. And like, I know I can have chocolate again if I want to, but you know, it doesn't make sense for my body right now. And so I won't have chocolate today you know, maybe I'll have it like another time with something else and um, making that decision, not because you're restricting from a place of like, I have to restrict and chocolate is bad, but rather you really took time to think about it and say like, chocolate just doesn't make sense for me right now. And chocolate is not bad, but to honor my body, I'm going to say no to chocolate today because I know that I could say yes to chocolate another time when it makes sense for me saying, I think a lot of times when people start their journey with intuitive eating, they think if they ever say no to food, then they're automatically back to dieting. That's not true. You're allowed to say no to food exactly as you are allowed to say yes to food because it's not about you saying yes or no to food, it's why you're saying yes or no to food and all of it coming back to self-care and honoring yourself. And that's why it's so important to cultivate that self-trust with yourself and that appreciation for yourself and for your body. So you're really fueled from a place of like, I am important and I'm going to care for myself. And maybe chocolate makes sense then or today and then it's not going to make sense tomorrow because it does impact my blood sugar like in what way can I enjoy it like a lot of times it's learning how to enjoy chocolate like rather than having chocolate on its own say hey I know protein is going to slow the absorption of the sugar in this chocolate can I have it with some cashews well I said cashews because I love cashews if you like almonds if you like (laughs) something else like some kind of protein in there and like that will help kind of blunt the effect of the blood sugar and then after that you test your blood sugar two hours later Um, and you check and you assess like, Hey, did the nuts work? Did it help? Or like, you know, maybe I should strategize for something different later, but it's really like being open to learning and empowering yourself with information instead of like using that to be self-defeating and stress yourself out. I love that. And for myself, I do this all the time where I know I like sweet things and finding those sweet things that I think will give me more nutrition, such as dates. I, I, I just discovered how much I love dates. I love medjool dates and like with peanut butter. Uh, so good. It's like Yum. coffee. Yum. Yeah. So then I'll have a date or two, which are very sweet and the glycemic index is lower. So it'll stretch out the way your blood sugar is processed over having some gummy beers. Um, and I do it from a place of self-love and because I enjoy it and I love it. And I don't feel that deprivation of having the gummy beers instead of the date. So I love how you, you said just finding those things that work for you and yeah. still, um, still fulfilling those desires that you have and those actual nutritional needs. And just quick side note, 
just for people to know, gestational diabetes is not just about the weight gain. I know a lot of doctors play the Mm -hmm. big baby card. And yes, people who have gestational diabetes do have a predisposition for having a bigger baby. But a lot of it, guys, is that your baby is producing more insulin as a result of you having more sugar in your body than is normal levels. And when your baby's born, they're still going to continue to produce extra insulin, even though their blood sugars will stabilize. And we don't want them to then have to go into such a state of blood sugars that are too low so right that drop uh, rapidly which can be dangerous so a lot of it just people should know is forget about the weight piece um you know just concentrate on getting your blood sugars in control as much as possible and like rachel said stop moralizing it um if your blood sugars still remain high just from changing your diet do not feel like a failure if you need medication in order to do it it's not necessarily your fault it's just your body reacting to pregnancy so please don't moralize it if you have to go on any medications either oral or insulin it's not because you failed some people no matter what they will still need that yeah, yeah. I, I say that too as well and not just gestational diabetes, but people who have diabetes in general, type two, because it's so genetic. Like you do the best you can with lifestyle interventions. But like I always remember this, like I say the story because like in my old job when I was working in clinical, the administrator there, like he had diabetes and he, he, I was the dietitian there. And like he would always like kind of call me aside and like tell me about his his diabetes stuff that's going on. And like he would tell me how he's eating. And he was actually really eating really well and in alignment with like how you should be eating for diabetes. And yet his blood sugar was going up. And I'm like, yeah, because you're 65. And like, as much as you don't want to go on metformin, like there's, unless you're going to cut out carbs completely, which I don't recommend, because then you're going to start just like craving them and binging them like that's not your fault. But just to come back to that, that what you said with like the dates versus gummy beers, like I love that because like you explained it so well and like I'm not depriving myself. Like I generally want that. That feels more nourishing to me and it wasn't coming from a place of restriction. But in the same token, if someone's like, I'm craving gummy bears, like I really want gummy bears, it probably would make more sense to like just take a few gummy bears mindfully, intentionally savor them, enjoy them, get that craving fix versus I'm not going to have the gummy bears and I'm not going to have the cake and I'm not going to have the cookies and I'm not, not, not. And then like one day you just find yourself like three days later, you're like knee deep in your pantry, inhaling a box of cookies and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to my blood sugar? You know, like we want to get to this place of balance where you're able to choose alternative options because you want to care for your body while at the same time, it's really, I think it all comes back to building self-trust and becoming an expert of your body and knowing like what works for you. And that comes with like learning and understanding and getting that information from a place of empowerment. Um, and, and, and again, it's so much, so much more of like a nicer intention to be focused on like my blood sugar values are pretty much my baby's blood sugar values, obviously like not exact, but you know what I'm saying in terms of like the insulin that they're producing and saying like, Oh, okay. I I really am eating for my baby as well. Um, not to have that stress you out, uh, but just to help you say, okay, this is not about the weight. This is really about nourishing myself and my child and feeling my best. And usually when you're feeling your best, you're probably eating in a way that best serves you because your body wants to feel good and be taken care of. And it's going to tell you very clearly when you are. And so, yeah, just pair that with your inf- with, with your intuition. Take those, take those recommendations, the nutritional recommendations. They definitely help. Um, and remember that your body is a partner in that journey. There's the, the, the external recommendations for managing diabetes and um, remembering that your body kind of works in alignment with that and has a say. So don't forget about it. That's huge. And that's such a great closing message. And it's just the mindset shift 
and it can can do wonders. You may be doing the same thing, but the mindset shift. And yes, I just want to answer to that gummy bear slash dates. I'm not eating the dates and pretending that they're gummy bears. Okay. It's like the cauliflower pizza. I'm not eating cauliflower pizza and pretending that it's real pizza. No, it's not. I'm eating the dates because they are dates and because I enjoy dates. And yes, if the dates are not fulfilling that craving and I still think about those gummy bears, I will have them. And, but, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, finding those things that are more nourishing from a sense of self-love like wow the dates fulfill that need just as much as the gummy bears would and i'm getting right. the extra yeah it's the same with the cauliflower pizza too it's like if you generally want the cauliflower pizza because it's nourishing it kind of reminds me of like one time i i was having like some cream cheese and lox and i saw these like really yummy peppers and like i just wanted a boost in like vegetables like my it was coming genuinely from a craving like a body craving of like that so i had the, instead of a cracker I had the the peppers with the cream cheese and the lox. And in diet culture, that would be like, oh, low carb, this, that. But like, it wasn't about like, cause I can't have crackers. It was because I genuinely wanted a nutrient boost and I found it through the peppers and I would equally allow myself crackers the next day if I wanted to. Um, and I like that concept of like, the why not method, I kind of call it, where it's like, if you need something sweet and dates are gonna give you that, sweet fix then why not have it instead of gummy bears but if you're specifically wanting gummy bears that's different but like if you have an alternative that gives you more nutrients that you're like cool with and it'll satisfy your need like why not why not have something that's satisfying and giving you that nutrients that doesn't mean that you're dieting so thanks for bringing that up yeah, totally. I used to, I could not look at cauliflower, riced cauliflower for such yeah. a long time. And now I enjoy it. I eat it because I want it and I enjoy it. So yeah. anyway, we are, we are closing up here. Rachel, can you please um, review all of the thing areas that people can reach you at? And I will put all of those in the episode show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, if you found like anything insightful in this episode or helpful or want to share anything, I always love to hear your feedback. So definitely feel free to DM me at dietitian.rachelgoodman on Instagram. Um, That's basically where I hang out most of the time. Um, You can also email me, rachel at rachelgoodnutrition.com. I do have, you know, just some different things that are available to help women heal their relationship with food. So, you know, working together one-on-one with coaching and getting very individualized. Um, I have an online program which you can check out on my website, rachelgoodnutrition.com. That is like self-paced and helps you work through these things. And, you know, if you're like inspired by this and about intuitive eating, about healing your relationship with food, body image, like things, these conversations you want to have more in your community or your event, as you can see, I love talking. So if you have an event that you'd like for me to come speak on, definitely feel free to reach out to me um, and email me on that. It's definitely something that I love connecting with you in real time and kind of having these conversations and helping like in a bigger, you know, bigger, bigger setting can be really helpful, especially in community. Um, I also have the podcast more than what you eat, where I deep dive into different areas of intuitive eating and body image. So right now, if you're listening to this, and you're like, Oh, my gosh, like, yeah, I I definitely have to kind of address the um struggles that I have with food not just during pregnancy but like also you know afterwards it's like your whole life um there's a whole bunch of different topics that you can check out over there um more than what you need podcast that's also on my website and 
you know, we have the free guide if you want to kind of dip your toes in, if you're feeling out of control with food, the three steps to stop feeling out of control with food, which I shared with um, Connie to put in the show notes. And I also have a professionals program. So since you're you're a nurse, maybe you have some other professionals listening um, in supervising. Like if you're like, I want to learn more about intuitive eating and counseling my clients, or maybe not even counseling, but understanding and being able to support them. I have a food freedom for professional supervision program that you can DM me on Instagram or in the link in my bio on Instagram or just reach out to me about it. Or maybe I'll share with you the link, Connie. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, share the link because I definitely have all kinds of obstetric providers as well who would stand to benefit from this so much because we need to shift that whole entire narrative around waking during pregnancy. That's the goal. That's the goal really. in like, like this program that I created in like number one, just understanding why diet culture is not helpful, why the the focus on weight is not helpful. And then really understanding what intuitive eating is and how to apply it to your clients. And then we have the supervision calls where like, if someone has, someone's listening to this and they're like, but I have like, what about X, Y, Z? Because of course we can't cover everything in a podcast. Then you have that direct access to have a conversation and supervision on like, okay, let's break this down. Let's understand it and help you in your situation. So, you know, to really, for the bigger picture of like trying to get this out from like the professionals, because that's where we impact people the most. And I, I do find it like trickles down from that place. Rachel, I'm sure you've helped so many people. Thanks again for taking the time to come on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Your Wedded Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.